You know, we live in a pretty amazing world when it comes to technology. You can do just about anything. As a matter of fact, about two years ago, our son Spencer set me up on Twitter. Some of y'all that means nothing to, and to me, doesn't mean much more than that. But I have a Twitter account, and I'm more interested in my Twitter account because of who I can follow. You can follow just about anybody. If you know anything about Twitter, you can look up their name, and you just hit the follow button, and, and you can follow. You can, you can watch what they post. You can watch what they're thinking. You can watch where they go. You don't ever even have to meet them. You can just follow. In fact, I, I Googled. I wanted to know the, the top people when it comes to Twitter. These are the most followed people on Twitter. So if you want to know who our young people are following, our adults are following, America, the world's following, here's who the world's following when it comes to Twitter. Katy Perry has 46.6 million, million people following her. Isn't that amazing? And then Justin Bieber, just so you know, I don't follow either one of those. (laughs) Lady Gaga, and y'all are thinking, what? Okay. But at least the president's in the top five, right? And then you've got Taylor Swift. These people have millions, millions of people following them. It's amazing. If they post something, you can read what the post is. If they're visiting somewhere, you can read where they're visiting. You can follow just about anyone. You know, I'm thinking if Jesus was on the earth today, his disciples, some of his disciples would probably set him up on a Twitter account. And they say, hey, Jesus is in Longview, and Jesus is in Gilmer, and Jesus went to Dallas, and Jesus did this. And here's a quote from one of his sermons, and here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus just fed 5,000. Here's a picture of the 5,000. But you know what? Jesus doesn't need a Twitter account, because we've got the Bible. As a matter of fact, if you read in the New Testament... We're studying in the Gospel of Mark. If you're not familiar with the Gospel of Mark, the Bible's divided in to the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you get to the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the four Gospels, the four recordings of good news. And so we're in the Gospel of Mark, and we're learning some good news about Jesus. Some of y'all could use some good news. Maybe somebody called you this week and said, Hey, I've got some good news about... Maybe you visited the doctor this week and the doctor said, Hey, I've got some good news about... Maybe somebody sent you a text this week and said, Hey, I've got some good news about... Maybe you all received some... Uh, uh, some of our, our, our students here received some good news about, Hey, you've been accepted into this college. Maybe you got some good news about a job. Maybe you got some good news about a promotion. Maybe you got some good news and you found out that you're pregnant. There's all kinds of good news, but Mark comes along and says, You know, I know that's good news. But I've got some different news. As a matter of fact, in the first 12 words, he says, The beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not just good news about Jesus. Good news about Jesus Christ. Not just good news about Jesus Christ. Good news about Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Now, I've shared with you before, it's been a couple weeks since I mentioned this, that word gospel, that word good news, wasn't originally a Bible word. As a matter of fact, the Romans used it all the time. If they conquered some territory, they would send out the gospel. They would send out the good news. We've conquered some more land. It was a victory announcement. If Rome gained some more territory, they would send out the gospel, the good news about what they had done. As a matter of fact, they found an inscription in the Middle East that reads, the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. 
And then Mark comes along and he says, you know what, I've got some good news. It's not about Rome. And he's writing when Rome is ruling. He's writing when Rome is in power. He's writing when one of the greatest powers of all time. And he says, that's not the good news. I've got some good news. It's not about Rome. It is a victory announcement. But the victory announcement is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so Mark says, I've got some good news. Now, we reach a point in Mark chapter 8... Mark 8, 9, and 10, that Jesus has got some news that he wants to share. As a matter of fact, we reach a point, we noticed last week, we're going to review here in just a minute, Jesus is not sure people are listening. Jesus is just not quite sure people are getting it. So as we noticed last week, he just stops. You know, we're going to take a stop on our journey, and Jesus turns to his disciples, and he just wants to know if they're getting it. He just wants to know if they're listening. And he said, hey, I'm I'm just wondering. What's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? And his disciples said, well, you know, some people think you're John the Baptist, and some think you're Elijah, and some think you're one of the prophets. And Jesus said, that's great. That's great that they think that. I want to know what do, what do you think? Who do you think the Son of Man is? Why would he ask that? Well, because up to this point, Jesus knows the demons have one opinion of who Jesus is. Satan has an opinion of who Jesus is. If you're following Jesus in that day and you're just wanting Him to heal you, you've got an opinion of who Jesus is. As a matter of fact, everybody here today probably has an opinion of who Jesus is. In that day, some people thought, well, He's just a great healer. In that day, some people thought, well, He's just an exorcist because, you know, He can cast out demons. In that day, they thought, well, you know, He can raise people from the dead. In that day, they thought a lot of different things. So Jesus said, okay, listen, listen. Just, just between us, me and his disciples. I just need to know if you're getting it. Because if you're going to follow me, I, I need to know if you're getting it. And Peter makes a great confession. He said, you're the Christ, and in Matthew's account, the Son of God. And for a brief moment, Jesus is like, finally, he's getting it. Finally, it's starting to click. Finally, it's starting to sink in. And just when you think, okay, we're going to you know, high-five to Peter, then you keep reading. Jesus then began to teach them. Okay, look, if you're going to follow me, there's some, th- there's some news I need to share with you. I must suffer. I must be rejected. I must be killed. And after three days, I must rise again. Now, I think they heard the first three. I think the rise again just blew right by them. Based on the conversation, because the conversation, Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. Jesus spoke plainly about this. He's not hiding any punches. It's, you know, we're to the point now. He's not going to live forever. Nobody lives forever. And so, you know, I just want to let you all know, I'm going to die. I'm not just going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. But, you know, listen, listen, I'm, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. But they don't hear that. And so Peter rebukes Jesus. Now, when people talk about dying, we usually respond the same way. We're like, you don't talk that way. I told you a month ago when my mom on Christmas Day said, why are we doing this? Just let me die. And you're like, mom, don't talk this way. Peter's the same way. Jesus, don't talk about dying. I don't even want to hear this. And he rebukes Jesus. And Jesus turned and looked at his other disciples and he rebuked Peter. Now, just to give you an idea, in Mark chapter 4, when Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, same word. Mark uses this word nine times. When Jesus rebukes a demon, when he rebukes Satan, same word. And he turns and he rebukes Peter. 
So this is pretty strong words. In the same way he would calm a storm in the wind and the waves, he's calm, trying to calm Peter down. And he says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, he, call, he calls Peter Satan. Now, wait, wait a minute. Peter just said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, Peter had the great confession, and now he's Satan? Jesus says, you, you, you don't get it. You, you're not listening. You're just not listening. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You, you don't get it. As a matter of fact, not only, Jesus says, not only is he going to die, he goes on and says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus says, look, I'm going to die, but I want you to know something. I want you to die too. I want you to take up your cross too. I mean, I don't know what you think of when you read take up your cross, but in the first century, if a guy was going to take up his cross, you knew he was going to die. The cross was execution. The cross meant death. And Jesus said, I want you to die. If you're going to follow me, I want you to die. So more than likely, if you were to ask the question, are they listening? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I mean, Jesus, if you want to die, you, you go ahead. You want me to die? You want me to take up my cross? I mean, I, I realize we wear crosses today in so many different ways, and I'm not being derogatory of that, but in the first century, it was execution. It'd be like carrying an electric chair around on a necklace. And now we honor that and respect that, and I understand that, but in the first century, if you mention cross, somebody's dying. And Jesus mentioned cross, because somebody's dying. I mean, if you want to follow me, He gives us a choice. And more than likely, Jesus knows. Jesus knows. They're, they're not listening. So he goes on. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Jesus knows, stay with me here, Jesus knows they're not listening. So he goes up to be transfigured. The word is metamorphosis. He, he's going through a metamorphosis, and his garments change, and his face changes, and everything about him changes, and it's bright, and there's a bunch of light. I mean, it is dazzling. And the disciples start hearing some voices, and when through the light they're able to focus in a little bit, they see Elijah and Moses. I mean, this is an amazing Event. This is an amazing... Elijah, who died 900 years ago. Moses, who died 1,400 years ago. I don't even know how they recognize them. This fascinates me. And Moses and Elijah are having a conversation with Jesus. I mean, if you're going to have three people in the room, you've got Moses, who represents the law, everything about the law. You've got Elijah, who represents everything about the prophets. And you've got Jesus. And Peter says, this is awesome. I mean, this is so awesome. The Feast of the Tabernacles is coming up. The Feast of the Booths is coming up to commemorate when the... When the when the Israelites were wandering around and they lived in tents, in booths. And so Peter says, you know, this is such an awesome event. Hey, Jesus, 
I'm going to build a shelter, a booth for you, and I'm going to build one for a Moses, and I'm going to build one for Elijah, because this is, this is awesome. Now, at one time, Moses was the voice that people needed to listen to. And at one time, Elijah was the voice that people needed to listen to. And Peter's putting all three of these on the same level. Now, remember what Jesus is thinking? Are you listening? Are you listening? If you want to follow me, you're going to have to die. Are you listening? And then we have this. And a voice from heaven, from the cloud, says, This is my son whom I love. We're not listening to Moses. We're not listening to Elijah. You listen to my son. There was a time to listen to Moses. There was a time to listen to Elijah. We're not building three booths. Are you listening? Are you listening? We're building one. And it's for my son. The good news is we're building one booth today. Are you listening? Because listen. There's a whole lot of other gods that we can listen to. Not just the voice. As a matter of fact, I like Matthew's account. Matthew's account said, While Peter was talking, a voice interrupted. While Peter was talking, God interrupted and said, Whoa, whoa, Peter, you just need to slow down a little bit. I mean, I I know you said Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that was really good. And then you said, um, Jesus, we're not doing this, and Jesus rebuked you. And now Peter's back. You know, at least he wants to elevate Jesus a little. You know Peter. As you read through the New Testament, Peter's a roller coaster. And God interrupts him and says, listen, the only voice, the only God that you need to follow and listen to is Jesus, my son. Now think about it. Think about the gods that you can listen to. You can listen to the God of greed. You can listen to the God of pleasure. You can listen to the God of sex. You can listen to the God of self. You can listen to your friends and treat them as gods. You can listen to the TV and treat it as gods. You can listen to music and treat it as... There's a lot of voices you can be listening to. And what Jesus wants to know at this point with His disciples is, Are you listening? Are you listening? Because Jesus says, I want you to die. I want you to give up your rights. I want you to give up your decisions. I want you to give up, you know, if you get hurt, it's not about you getting hurt anymore. You just need to give up because you're following Jesus now. Are you listening? Because here's what people don't want to listen to. I want to tie this together. Jesus says, I want you to die. And people wrestle with this. So if you turn over to Paul, Paul says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means, we died. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I want you to take up your cross. I want you to die. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We're going to die with Him. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death. Remember, Jesus said, I want you to take up your cross. I want you to be executed. I want you to put your old self away. I want you to... If you're going to follow Him... Are you listening? Are you listening? Because a lot of people will shut down when we start talking about baptism. I'm not listening to that anymore. Listen. Is it worth it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is it really... That's what Jesus said. Is it worth it to gain the whole world? So you deny baptism. So you deny following Jesus. I'm not doing that. Is is it really worth it to lose your soul? We keep reading. 
We're buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. That's what baptism is. We die to ourselves. We crucify ourselves. We bury ourselves and we're raised to walk in newness of life. He keeps writing, if we've been united with Him like this in His death, isn't that what we want to do? Jesus says, I'm going to die. I want to die with you, Jesus. And we're united with Him in His death. And we'll certainly be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, we don't, we don't pick up on that either. You can't win over sin unless you die. There's just no way. We think we're strong enough. We think we can live good enough. We, we think we can have high enough morals. And Paul says, Jesus says, unless you die, you won't be freed from sin. If we died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with Him. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's not me who lives any longer, it's Christ who lives in me. As a matter of fact, that song goes way back when I was growing up, we used to sing, I've been crucified with Christ nevertheless. I mean, we even make it sound real catchy. It's the cross. It's execution. It's death. It's burial, and then we get to raise to live a new life. And Jesus says, are you listening? Are you listening? If you want to follow me, here's the rules. Those of you who want rules, here's, here's the rules. Jesus is not giving it to us as rules, but if you want rules, here's, the, if, here's what a follower of Jesus looks like. They die. And when you die, you gain everything. And unless you die, you lose everything. Is, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Listen, folks, Jesus, Jesus isn't calling us to church membership. Jesus isn't calling us to be good moral people. Jesus isn't calling us, so, you know, let's go to church so we do everything my way and I feel good. Jesus is calling us to die. Are you listening? Because there's a lot of people that say, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. There's a lot of people, it's like, you know, I know I'm getting a free meal following Jesus. That This is too much. I, I know that He may heal me of my sickness, but he, he, I'm drawing the line right here. He, he's crazy. He's not speaking clearly, even though it says He spoke plainly. He was simple with this. So, I need to know if you're listening are you listening? Jesus says, I'm fixing to die. And Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything. Here's the ultimate sign of leadership. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that He's not willing to do Himself. And He says, you know what? I I'm going to the cross and I'm going to die. Will you follow me? I I'm going first. I'm on the cross. I'm, I'm going first. And again, the good news that, that blew right by them, he said, after three days, I'm going to be right back here in your presence. I don't know that I would have followed that. I don't know that I would have comprehended that. The good news is that when Jesus died, he didn't stay in the grave. Check all the great leaders who have ever died on this earth, and they're still in the grave. Jesus isn't a great leader. 
Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the good news is we follow someone who's not in the grave. We follow someone who's been raised. We follow someone who gives us victory over death. Jesus doesn't just want us to die. He wants us to be raised to walk in a new life. And you can do that today. You can say, you know what, I'm tired of fighting me. I'm tired of trying to live life through Richie's rules. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Jesus, I I trust you. I'm just going to give you my life. Because you said when I give you my life, I get a new life. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, "I, I don't want you just to have life. I want you to have abundant life. Lots of life. Eternal life. And you can do that today. There's really no reason for you to put this off. You can be baptized today for the remission of your sins. Buried with Christ in baptism. Let me me tell you something. You're not being baptized into this church. You're being baptized into Jesus. You're being united with Jesus in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. Is it worth it to say no? Is it worth it to gain everything else and lose your soul? Jesus says... Are you listening? Are you listening? If you need to respond to the invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing.